Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the One Out of One podcast. I'm your host, Stephen, and today we're going to talk about apologetics. So this is going to be the beginning of a short apologetics series. It's not necessarily going to be what the channel's devoted to, but, you know, it's something I'm very passionate about, and I thought I would share with you guys uh, kind of my approach and a couple of things that I've learned along the way that you can take and use as well. I want you to use me kind of as your Christian armory. You, you can come to me with, like, questions and whatnot, and then I'll take care of it. I'll provide you with uh, the tools that you need. I'll repair the we- the either the weapons or the shields or whatever you need. I'll help you fix that up so that you can take it and you can use it. All right? So the first thing I want to do is I want to give you guys um, the beginning pieces. So I've got three levels of apologetics here. This isn't necessarily from anybody, but in my time studying apologetics, I've kind of noticed that it breaks down into three categories for most people. So the first one... This one is the most important one, the faith level, okay? So this is level one, the faith level. All right, so the faith level is mainly self-focused, and it gives you some basic knowledge. Now, the faith level, uh, it's at the bottom because it's the easiest one to get to, but it's also the one that you need for all of the others that we're going to talk about in a minute. All right, with the faith level, let's think of it like this. You need to be convinced of something before you can convince somebody else, all right? And it may not take as much to convince you as it may take somebody else. Like, let's say we're talking about Christianity. Perhaps you grew up in a Christian home. Maybe you don't need as much convincing as someone else does. So your faith level is a little bit easier to achieve, right? But not only that, but you also know the things that convince you. You know the things that trigger in your mind, oh, this is a this is a trustworthy source. Oh, this is something that I can take and I can use. Oh, this is something I can research. Those things are easy enough for you to figure out about yourself. That's why I put it here that self-focus, not as a bad thing, but you need to be able to focus on yourself and build up your faith. The person whose faith you are most responsible for in this world is your own. Before your spouse, before your kids, before the, per- the lost person in front of you, before them, your faith is first, okay? So you need to know why you believe that God exists. You need to know why you believe that the Bible is a good source of authority, all right? So that's, that's level one. You need to know the things. Like, I'll give you for an example. For me, um, for me, that would be like the Dead Sea Scrolls. Like, oh my gosh, like, I, you guys have heard me talk about it before. My youth group is tired of hearing about it, um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, th- if everything else in my faith came into question, that's the one thing that I could look at historically from my faith and say, hmm, I can't explain this away. I mean, here we've got this, these ancient documents, thousands of years old, and we can verify that the copies that we have today are the same as the copies from 2000 years ago. And what do I mean by the same? Well, I've mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again. Uh, You look at the Great Isaiah Scroll, which is this big, beautiful, complete scroll of Isaiah. It has a, what was it, a 95% letter-for-letter accuracy. And this is pretty common amongst all of the biblical documents, but the Great Isaiah Scroll is the best one to compare to because it's the most completed scroll uh, amongst the biblical texts. All right, so we compare it. There's a 95% letter-for-letter accuracy. Note that, letter-for-letter accuracy. There can be some spelling differences, like 
Sometimes a word will have three letters, and instead of three letters, it'll have two letters. Uh, that's That can be like, for example, the, the word kol for voice or sound. Uh, it typically has like the Q letter kof and then the L lamed uh, in modern Hebrew. And then it'll have the little vowel points to indicate that. The vowel points weren't in old ancient hebrew so that would be rep that instead of that uh that vowel point it would either not be there or it would be replaced by something called a vav which can make an o sound if it takes that uh if it takes that vowel point so it would be three letters instead of two so a 95 percent letter for letter accuracy and an over 99 percent word for word accuracy that's pretty darn accurate that is more than enough to convince me that this God stuff is worth at least at minimum looking into, but certainly for me, that's enough on a faith level for me to believe that God exists. All right, let's talk about the next level. The next level is the scholar level. So this one, the desire, this requires the desire to understand. Okay. This is not just like, I'm going to learn so I can refute it. No, you need to learn to understand it. Instead of just learning the reasons not to believe in, like, let's say, Islam, uh, you actually learn what Islam is. You look up what the belief systems are. You listen to actual Muslims talking about their faith. You read their holy books. I'm doing that right now. I'm reading the Quran little by little. Uh, so I can, you know, understand it a little bit more. Its desire is not to change. Its desire to is to understand, okay? This is basically an outgrowth of the faith level. Like, as you study more and more, and as you study more truth, that's going to strengthen that first category, the faith level, and give you more reasons to believe. And you can take that basic knowledge and turn it into advanced knowledge. Now, it's going to require some deep study because you're going to come across things that have convinced other people in their faith categories. You're going to find things that you maybe disagree with, but you're going to see why they believe in those things. For example, uh, since we're talking about Islam, one of the big tenets that, that really pushes Islam is that the Bible was corrupted. Okay, They believe that the Bible was changed over periods of time to say something different than what it says now. Okay, and they'll point you towards differences. They'll they'll even point to differences in the Dead Sea Scrolls. You know how I said a ninety five percent letter by letter accuracy and a ninety five percent word for word accuracy. Well, they would say, well, see, God can't perfectly uh, perfectly preserve His word. So how do you know that you can trust it? And how do you know that changes weren't made before that? And you you see all of these reasons that they believe on their faith level uh, why Islam is true, correct? and why they don't believe that the Bible is, okay? But the goal, look, look, so far in these two levels, the goal is not to persuade others. So far, the goal is to understand, for you to have your own belief system, to know why you believe the things you believe. When you look at the scholars, you're checking yourself. You're looking deeper. Now, not everybody has the time to do the scholar. Like, I get it, okay? Not everybody's got the capability to be the scholar, and that's okay. We don't need everyone to be the scholar. Okay, but for those of you who are scholars, it's important for you to know what you believe first, to build up your faith, and then to do the scholarly work. Okay, and as you you listen to most people, people try to tell you, "I'm being I'm just being objective here. I'm just following the science and being objective." People are not objective. They're not objective. They already know what they believe. Because here's the problem: those same people would agree, and and they oftentimes have agreed 
that the Bible has been changed over time. And then you provide them with the resources like the Dead Sea Scrolls. And you say, well, actually, no, um, the Bible has received so few changes that it's almost not even worth mentioning. I mean, you might as well just assume that the words were passed down correctly because of how well they've been preserved. And that that can really jar some people. Um, but at the same time, you can say that all the time, all, all day long. You can even pull up a, a copy of the Great Isaiah Scroll and a copy of uh, our modern scrolls and put them side by side, and they would still believe. Because people always bring their presuppositions to the table. So this point, the scholar point, is when you start to challenge those presuppositions and see which ones are correct and which ones are wrong. For a while, I believed that uh, alcohol, all alcohol, was sinful. Because, you know, the Bible obviously speaks against alcohol. Um, But as I started to study on my own more and as I started to challenge my own beliefs and say, okay... So I know why I believe that alcohol is sinful. Why do these other Christians, these other Christians that I even respect, not believe that drinking any alcohol whatsoever is sinful? And then I started to look at those sources and I realized, oh, oh, my points are really flimsy. I actually was believing something that I should not have believed in. And then I looked at the reasons that they believe what they believe. And I was like, oh, yeah, um, I am wrong. And that, ba- that gave me a big change in the way that I looked at uh, scripture and the way that I looked at uh, Christians drinking alcohol. That being said, I've also looked at other things and other examples like people who try to say that, the, uh, that God is not a trinity. There is no trinity because that's, you know polytheism. And I was like, hmm, that sounds interesting. Well, I know that I believe that, and I know the reasons that I believe that, so let's look at the reasons that uh, other people don't believe that. And as I started to read those, I was like, hmm, those are some pretty flimsy reasons to not believe in the Trinity. Hmm, those criticisms of Trinitarian belief don't really hold up. And so you see what happens is I had my basic knowledge, right? I had my basic knowledge, And then as I challenged myself and did some deeper study in the scholar world, it ended up strengthening my faith level. Now I can say I have my faith in these and these are the points that I believe, but I've also done the deeper work to understand why I no longer believe that uh, people drinking any alcohol is sinful. All right. So once you've got that, And once you've got your scholarly work and you've started to really dig dig deeper into something, then we move on to the last one. The, oh gosh, there we go. The persuasive, okay? This is when you take the scholarly stuff, the stuff that you studied in the scholarly area, and you make it relational. You start to talk to a person. Now, first, I'll put this up there. First, you need to do the scholar thing. To understand the person you're talking to. Don't just assume that you automatically understand somebody just because you know what belief system they adhere to. There's various variations within all belief systems, or they may not hold to everything. Maybe they only hold on to bits and pieces. Maybe you're talking to a Mormon who, uh, who believes that salvation is by faith, 
but doesn't believe that hell exists, or maybe the reverse. Or maybe you're talking to a Muslim that believes that the Quran is the holy authoritative word of God and believes in the salvation by works that comes with Islam, but they also don't agree with their Muslim brethren that the Bible's been changed over time. This is the point where you've got to ask some questions. You need to be, as you see down there, people-focused. You need to learn this person so that you can understand where their faith level is. And when you understand where their faith level is, then you can use your scholar section in a people-focused manner and talk to them about the things they're struggling with. Have an, and have this back-and-forth conversational moment. Now, the persuasive one is it, difficult if you're good at the scholar. All right, so I, I've noticed with people, the more I talk with people, most people are either super, super, like, scholarly smart, and they can weave their way through all of these sources in the muddied waters, and they can figure out where the truth is, and they can they, they can remember things better than anybody else you can imagine, but they're terrible with people. I think you can, I think as soon as I say that, all of you are immediately thinking of somebody. But there's also people that are not good at the scholarly thing, but they are so good at talking to people. Like, we've all got strength and weaknesses and whatnot, and that's why... That, that right there is exactly why the faith level is the most important level. You need to have your faith solid, which means you need, you need to test yourself as a scholar as best as you can. I mean, you're not going to be able to convince everyone. You're not uh, necessarily going to be a, a, a Yale or a Harvard graduate level of genius, okay? Most people aren't. I'm not. Um, I would consider myself currently maybe a... Uh, six to a six point five out of ten on the scholar scale. I like. I'm not. I'm not a deep scholar. I. I. But I know enough. I know enough to have a good conversation. Uh, but the persuasive part. Of, this is our purpose. Our purpose is to persuade people to believe in God. So what you need to do is you need to first know what you believe. Get your faith level of apologetics down to where you yourself are convinced, okay? You need to know what the truth is. Then you need to go to the scholar level. You need to challenge yourself a little bit so that you uh, introduce yourself to other points of view, other belief systems. That way you're not immediately stumped the first time a difficult question comes up. And then after you've done some studying, you need to figure out how to best communicate that scholar level in a way that somebody else can connect to. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is just a shortcut to telling the gospel. You need to be able to know what you believe. Do you believe God exists? All right. Why do you believe? What are some challenges to believing in God? And then once you've done that study and you still believe in God, how can you take that and share it with someone else? And not only that, is there somebody that you know who maybe has a different faith level than you. Like, for example, the Dead Sea Scrolls may not be convincing to some people. They may say, yeah, you know, it's well-preserved and whatnot. Like, you, I don't mind saying that the Bible's the same Bible that was there 2,000 years ago, but I still don't believe it. Okay, that's fine. That may not be what convinces you. So... What can I do in my persuasive area to get to know you better so I can understand what 
is keeping you from believing in God. That's how this conversation goes. And that's the approach that we need in apologetics, at least from my experience so far. So when you think about it, you think about your faith, I, I suggest thinking in three these three areas, faith, the scholar, and the, perspective, or the persuasive. Think about these three levels and think about how you can improve in each of these areas. What areas of your faith, your personal level, do you need to know and be sure about? In the scholar level, what areas do you need to challenge yourself in and start to grow and expose yourself to new ideas? And in the persuasive level, how are your people skills? How are you at convincing people? All right. Well, that's all I got now for the part one. This is my step-by-step approach. And so when I do, do the rest of the apologetic series, I am going to be using this as the framework. I'm going to be using the faith, the scholar, and the persuasive level uh, as I talk with you about each of the topics ahead. Sound good? All right, I will see you later, ladies and gentlemen. Peace out. I'll see you soon.